The Godfather is talking Steelers. What a leaping grab by Antonio Brown on the near sideline. Incredible. Comes to the sideline. Intercepted on a leaping interception by TJ Watt. It's all Steelers with Stan Zavrin. Zavrin on Steelers. On ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Now, Twitter was a very active place over the last few days with the Antonio Brown situation. Some said I spent so much, too much time on it. Some said it sounded like I had an issue with or against Antonio Brown, which I do not. In fact, the more I thought about it, my issue wasn't nearly as much with what Antonio Brown did, but why he did it. That's where I had the problem. I also think that you have to keep in mind a person's track record. These kinds of things are not new to Antonio Brown. But just focusing on what transpired over the last four or five days... Players blow up on the sideline all the time. The Twitter thing, trade me, I think he was baited into that. But I don't think that his tweet was about wanting to be traded. I think his tweet was in response to he felt that his abilities were being questioned. I mean, I think any receiver has to credit a quarterback just as quarterbacks have to credit receivers. I mean, it gets back to it's a team thing. But I think he was reacting to saying, you don't think I'm as good as my performance and records and stats say that I am. That's where he went off. And he shouldn't have, but I, I understand that. I don't have a problem with that. But why did he do that? Why did he get frustrated? Uh, apparently felt that he was open. Ben missed him. They weren't throwing the ball to him enough. Although they threw to him, at him, 17 times. 33 in two games, the most in the entire National Football League. That he hasn't had as many receptions for as much yardage isn't because he's being ignored. That's the thing. I mean, if they're only throwing him two, three times a game... Say, hey, I'm here. But that's not the case. That's just a lie. That's not fake news for those of you who buy into fake news. And, yeah, I saw some of that yesterday saying that it was the media's fault for making this a big issue. No. We didn't create the issue. Antonio Brown did by his actions. But again, I don't advocate calling out your teammates, pointing at a quarterback, that sort of thing. Screaming at the offensive coordinator and the wide receiver coach. I don't think that's the best way to go about it, but I don't think that that's an indictable offense. Again, it wasn't what, it was why. Why he did it. Because... It was an individual issue with him. 
he wasn't getting his normal touches. Well, for those of you at the game, you wouldn't, you'd have more difficulty seeing it on TV. But for those who are at the game, I'm sure you'll back me up. He wasn't open all that much. And there were times where Ben threw to him when he was completely covered. And we've seen that in the past, and I think Ben tries to appease him. Keep him involved. Keep his head in the game. To the detriment of the team. When I look at the NFL standings, it doesn't say Cincinnati 2-0, Baltimore 1-1, Cleveland 0-1-1, Antonio Brown 0-1-1. It says the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, one and one. And he's been double covered enough that he knows the deal, and he oftentimes beats that coverage. And if teams want to put three guys on him, bad for him, but good for the team. You think Juju's going to get 13 receptions if they're singling up Antonio Brown? No. They're not. That's Jesse James. When Antonio Brown gets doubled, all things considered, assuming Ben gets the time, and I'm going to get to that as one of the major concerns, I think, for the game Monday night in Tampa, and that's the health of the offensive line. If he gets time and they're doubling, sometimes tripling Antonio Brown, he'll find someone that's good for the team. Maybe not good for A.B., but it's good for the team. And isn't that what this is all supposed to be about? And this is speculative on my part, so I admit it up front. I always try to be completely honest. If the Steelers were 2-0, this would have taken on A different issue, although they won that playoff game in Kansas City when he posted up Tomlin and Roethlisberger's speech on Facebook. That was a big deal. That came after a win. So winning doesn't solve everything. But speculate along with me. Let's say that Antonio Brown, instead of Juju Smith-Schuster, gets 13 catches out of 19 targets for 140 yards, whatever it was. Steelers still lose the game. But let's say that that's what the individual stats were for A.B. instead of the 67 yards that he got. Do you think he would have not shown up for the meetings on Monday with the rest of his teammates? I think he'd have been there. And for those who are trying to say, well, the organization knew about it, uh, no, the head coach did not know about it. Otherwise, why would he have called him in on Tuesday, a day off? And why would he have been disciplined? For what? Yelling at Daryl Drake? No. For putting himself above the team. The whole team needs to be there for the meetings. And film sessions on Mondays or the day after the game. Be different this week, obviously. As great as he is, 
He's still just one of 53. And I understand, believe me, there's a pecking order and there's leniency given to those who are stars. And that's true in any organization. If you're part of a sales force and you're the best salesman, chances are you get a little bit more latitude than the guys at the bottom of that totem pole. That's life. But that's more of an individual issue. This is a team game. Antonio Brown doesn't catch a thousand yards per season, more than that, if he didn't have Roethlisberger. Ben's stats aren't what they are without Antonio Brown. So it wasn't what he did. Again, I discount the tweet. I think people made too much of that. They didn't get it. That was a knee-jerk. And I defend Antonio Brown there. Even the yelling on the sideline, well, there's been a pattern of this. Yelling at the coordinators, one thing, I don't did not like it when he called out quarterbacks. Hey, they're under some pressure back there. They got a lot of things going on. <clears throat> but again, I do give him this. I think great players, like he is, great players play with a great swagger. And they believe that they will help the team win if you just give them the ball and give them a chance. Michael Jordan wanted the ball for the last shot. So I don't think it's all stats-related. I do think that great players, they want to make the play because they feel that they can and make a difference and help the team win. But I also think you've got to understand if you're not getting passes thrown your way, you still are helping the team. And sometimes, once in a while, you have to subordinate your feelings for the good of the group. That's the why, and that's what upsets me. It's over and done with. That's it. They made their decision. I have no input, no impact on that. Maybe I'm old school. But sometimes you have to subjugate your own feelings, your personal benefit for the good of the group if you're part of the group and it is a team sport and i'll ask you and we'll get to a lot of these comments do you think that these not just him these incidents whatever they may be hurt the team this is Saverin on steelers on espn pittsburgh and steelers nation radio Seconds, Ben empty, third and ten at the 14 of the Chiefs. He runs, he runs, he throws the pass, and it's caught for a touchdown. And I don't see any markers. And that is his first of his career for rookie James Washington out of Oklahoma State. The second round pick, he beats Steven Nelson, and Nelson is down. Get a couple uh, new ones that to manage and watch. Um, Gilbert uh, with, with the hamstring. Um, and Ramon Foster is managing the knee. We'll watch those guys through the week and and, and and see how they go. Well, that touchdown pass from Ben to James Washington, yes, it was his first NFL touchdown, but that came about because Ben got great protection. Uh, that, that was a, a pattern that did not develop quickly or easily, and it took some time. That obviously is a product of the offensive line. 
The offensive line is in some jeopardy this week because of health issues. David DeCastro, as we were discussing just a moment ago, tried to practice yesterday but left early. Now, we've got no further report on how that is, but you know that he's got a broken bone in his hand. Ramon Foster's got a knee. Sean Gilbert has a hamstring problem. Now, maybe by the time they play Monday night, and it could be beneficial, certainly, that they get an extra day, maybe it'll be okay. But we talk a lot about the defense, and clearly that's an issue. It would be an issue if they were playing an awful offensive team, let alone what, at least to this point, is a very good one. The point is, yes, the defense is a huge issue. We suspected it might be going into the season. I thought it might be slightly better, but it wasn't going to dramatically turn into the steel curtain at any point. They don't have the personnel for that. So it's much worse, at least after one game. I mean, it wasn't horrible against Cleveland, but then again, that's Cleveland. So I don't take one or two games for that matter definitively, but if you look at it realistically, the chances are they're going to have to score some points, not only to win this game against Tampa, good offensive team to this point, but they're going to have to rely on their offense. But that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. We knew that was going to be the case. Maybe not to this degree. And if the offensive line is not intact, you've got an issue. Now, last week, B.J. Finney, by all accounts, did very well replacing David DeCastro. Not only a pro bowler, but an all-pro. We know that B.J. Finney's a good player. And if I knew that DeCastro was going to be back and Finney had to fill in for somebody else, I'd say, okay. But it's not only injuries in the NFL or any sport for that matter, it's when the injuries attack at the same position. It tests your depth. And when three of five in any one given unit have an issue, I don't know that any team can adequately survive. That's not to say that Monday night's a foregone conclusion. I'm not sold on two things. Number one, that the Steelers are as bad as they look Sunday in certain areas. Or as some people are saying, season's over, forget about it. I'm not buying that. Not for a second. I mentioned to you yesterday, they've gotten off the bad starts before and had good finishes. Sometimes the finishes weren't enough to get them where they want to go, and even when they had good finishes, they fizzled out in the playoffs. But I'm not willing to write them off, as some people are doing, after two games, even if they were 0-2. And conversely, hey, good for Tampa Bay, but I'm not convinced they're the new powerhouse in the NFC, the NFL, or even their own division. They were a really bad team last year. They've got some weapons, clearly, 
with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, who a couple of years ago when he was still with Philadelphia, I called the most dangerous player in the NFL because of his kick-returning ability, punt-returning ability, and how he could beat you deep. He's had some injury issues. He's also got a bit of an attitude problem at times, but he's dangerous. They drafted a really good tight end, the best tight end available a couple years ago in O.J. Howard out of Alabama. So I'm not discounting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I'm also not sold on them completely. Like, oh, boy, no chance here. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has been great. But please cite me any indication that Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever been great for an extended period of time. You know, he's been a very good backup in this league, and he's shown that he can be capable. But for how long? Now, maybe it'll make it three games in a row. He might against this defense, the way we saw them play. But my point is I'm not sold on it yet. I'm not convinced, A, that the Steelers should just go down there, lie on their backs, and say, thank you, sir, may I have another. And I'm not at all convinced yet that Tampa Bay is the team to do it. By the way, Antonio Brown spoke to the media this morning. Quote, he said he was pissed off the Steelers are losing and won't fake his passion on the sideline, says the media doesn't know him and keeps taking the bait and blah, blah, blah. Of course, it's the media's fault. He also said he did not attend Monday's film session because of a personal issue, one in which he failed to inform his head coach. And he said he was upset because they were losing. He said, quote, I was pissed off we lost. Our culture should be about winning. He said he did inform Mike Tomlin of his personal matter in advance on Monday. Mike Tomlin didn't think so. Otherwise, why would he have called him in and disciplined him? He said, I don't count stats. You guys do that. My stats will take care of themselves. That still doesn't explain why after when Roethlisberger scrambled for the touchdown, that he slunk. Is slunk a word? (laughs) He was slinking off the field. Whatever, he's at practice yesterday, he's at practice today. We move on. They're better with him. I still think that these issues hurt the team. And there's strong, strong word that despite what he said in public, your quarterback is not at all happy with 84's actions. Even if he won't say so publicly. Guy Junker will join me very publicly. We'll talk about the Steelers. That's next. Savernon Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh. 
here we go. This is Saverin on Steelers on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. It's Dan and Guy time. Uh, <clears throat> I couldn't let it go or go too much farther. Uh, Antonio Brown speaks, and he said he's not worried about his stats, um, that he was mad because they were losing. Um, again, I still don't think that explains why after you score a touchdown that brings you within five points, you're, you know, skulking and, you know, on, uh, sulking on the sideline. You're making up a lot of words today. Yeah, skulking, skulking and, and slunking. <laughs> slunking, and... <laughs> slinking. He slunk. He slunk. He slinks. He slanks. He slunks. <laughs> Um, just your take on the entire thing yeah, and, well. and, 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 and going one step further, um, you know, what the player said, you heard what I said at the end of the segment. Do you think that this stuff hurts the team? Look at what the players said last year, Stan, they're going to pay lip service to it and say, it doesn't bother them. They're focused on winning the locker rooms united. It wasn't that way when they had clean out day after That's the Jacksonville right. play. They were all bitching about every lot, especially the offensive line. They were complaining about the distractions. This one saying this, this one doing that. So the truth really came out then. And if that was the truth at the end of last season, it's the truth now, regardless of what guys say. Now that said, I'm glad they're saying it. The last thing you need is for people to be publicly ripping on each other with the season still in question here. I'll say this. If they lose Monday night, I don't think there's any chance they make the playoffs. I don't believe. I wanted to look this up, and uh, I ran out of time. I don't think they've ever made the playoffs in a year that they were winless in their first three games. Um, I know the percentages, uh, and I think a lot of this was taken when there was one less wild card team, but yeah. I think the percentage when you start at 0-2 um, it's like around only 20% end up making the playoffs. Yeah, uh, and then it's, they're not 0-2, they're 0-1-1. and If they go 1-1-1, and it would be a rocky point. I mean, this is this is actually the easy part of their schedule. You would have thought it was when you look at it. I know that the, there was an 80% chance of them making the playoffs when the season started. That is already mathematically down to 32. They were a 10-1 to odds of going to the Super Bowl behind only New England in the AFC, that's now 22 to 1. I mean, just the, just the first couple of weeks, and I know that's pure math, and, and a lot of things can happen. But those are odds. You're just acting the betters if you want to place a bet on the right. Steelers. It's 22 when you to throw 1. In the the injuries, when you throw in the offseason stuff, I think, you know, they had a, they had a period stand. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, 2012 into 13, I think it was, where they lost eight out of nine games, four out of five to end one season, the first four the next season. And I think that was Tomlin's rockiest time as a coach, but that was mostly football stuff. Last year, all the problems were off the field stuff, but you go 13-3, and three and that kind of gets brushed aside. This is sort of the perfect storm of two things hitting at once. The football's not good. The off-the-field stuff's not good. Well, I think the sample size, we knew there were going to be some issues with the defense. Uh, and somebody pointed out, he said, not to take away from the Steelers' defense at all, but Kansas City looks like it may be one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, maybe. We'll see. I mean, San Diego's defense is awful, too. So, you know, maybe that's part of it. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, I'm not convinced. I'm not discounting what they've done, but I'm not convinced. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for a couple games, he'll get you through. He's a very good backup. Will he continue this? And 
If he does continue, and that's their issue, if he does continue Monday night and then Winston comes back, does he automatically get his job mm. back? Well, uh, as I was saying to you and Mark when we were in a, a commercial break there, the Eagles had a bunch of injuries happen during that game when they lost to them. That certainly helped Tampa's cause, especially Eagle, the Eagles on the offensive side of things. But I, I still think it's a tough place to play down in Tampa. It's going to be in the 90s, even maybe a little cooler by game time. But, uh, you know, that, that's a kind of a tough venue to play in anyway. And depending on what goes on with the offensive line here, I mean, uh, that's a huge, I, I think the biggest thing with all the noise and the other thing aside, they are who we thought they are. They're going to be a team. that's going to have to score 35 points most days. I think if they're going to win, they're not beating anybody 17, 14 anymore. And I think that's been proven. And I don't want to hear that. They played good defense in Cleveland. The weather was awful they, and they did. I mean, you know, you, you give up a fumble that's returned to the one yard line. You can't ask them to stop that there. And that, that was the, the real the biggest play of the game, but I think it's I think what we saw at the since Ryan Shazier got hurt is what we still have here. Yeah, that's disappointing. I, the, the numbers, uh, defensive numbers, both points allowed, yardage, all that stuff. Since Ryan Shazier is hurt, uh, it's inescapable. I mean, you can't. You can. It's not just a coincidence. Uh, there's a direct correlation, but he's not here. I must say, I thought the defense would have issues, but I thought that it would be slightly improved over what we saw last year post-Ryan Shazier. Thus far, I haven't seen that. Well, and, and it's a, just one play, and it's a rookie, but Terrell Edmonds getting stiff-armed and th- swatted away like a fly. You know, Tom Bradley came in here with a reputation of being a, a great tackling guru, and, you know, they were a poor tackling team last year, and so far this year they still look like a poor tackling team. Um, it's, it's, at some point you say, do they have the personnel? You, know, you can always talk about schemes. We heard about the dollar defense and the seven defensive. But when, when are we going to see that? Yeah. When does push come to shove and you get desperate enough to try to do some of this stuff? Maybe uh, Monday night. Maybe if Monday night. Kind of team. Um, I'm sure that they had a lot of respect for Kansas City, uh, but I think that even they were surprised at how good Mahomes, well, however good he looked on tape, in the San Diego game, there's not a whole lot of book on him. Uh, I think it caught him a little bit by surprise. Not schematically, but I, I I don't think that they thought that Kansas City would be that explosive. And if you want to talk about the impact of Shazier, uh, and this was pointed out to me, and I should have realized it myself, the two previous games against the Chiefs, both in Kansas City, um, as I recall, Travis Kelsey was not a factor. Last year, he had one catch for seven yards. Sunday... He went nuts. I think there are three things involved there. Number one, Andy Reid has made his offense more horizontal with Mahomes, uh, or more vertical with Mahomes, whereas with Alex Smith was more horizontal because their arm strength. Number two, Sammy Watkins now presents a threat on the other side of Tyreek Hill. And the third element is, what's the common denominator in shutting down Travis Kelsey? Pre-Sunday, Ryan Shazier. Well, the other thing is, too, the time of possession. Le'Veon Bell's the last two games against Kansas City. He went nuts. He had big games. Last year in the game at Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs didn't get their first first down until there was a minute left in the first half. Right. I think it's one of the best defensive performances the team had all year. Uh, you know, 
we've talked about this in terms of basketball at times. You, you're down 18 points in a basketball game, and you go on one of these runs, and you fight like hell, and you get back within one or two, or you tie the game, and then you're out of gas, and then the other team eventually pulls. It, it's not just the amount of points that the Chiefs scored. It's, it's fallen down 21 nothing. I mean, that was, and I, had, I was convinced at halftime the Steelers were going to win after they'd come back and tied it up, sure. and even after they tied it 28-28. Uh, but but I think as we watch this team, and, and it's always kind of amazing to me, even in baseball, the team that scores first, you would think with professionals it wouldn't matter that much, but it does. And especially if you're down multiple touchdowns in a football game, if the Steelers are going to win and they're going to have to win in shootouts this year, Stan, they got to get ahead of other teams, get them out of what the other team wants to do. You know, if teams are going to try to run against them, which was an issue last year, you can't run if you're down – 14 points and it's the second half when you're coming from behind you, you it's an open door to whatever they want to keep doing to you well as badly as the defense played um the offense can't start out three and out no, three and true. out three and out um uh, you know at least get a couple when first is as downs. important as how much yeah if not more at least get a couple first downs to flip the field position to give your defense more of a chance the punting game didn't do them any favors because their first possession is first and goal at the 10 yard line um but the thing that bothered me about their defensive performance is after fighting back, Kansas City had to be really, oh, my. And you talk about, well, you know, you expended all that energy, and I think that's a good basketball analogy. I use that all the time myself. But here's what killed me about this. So they come back. They got all the momentum. They're resting at halftime now. Kansas City had to be in there and say, what the hell just happened? We're up 21 to nothing. They get they the thought they were kick. up twenty eight nothing almost. If, yeah. yeah, if that happens, the game's over. Right, there's no. We, in fact, we you and I talked at halftime. If if Scandrick doesn't get that stupid defensive holding penalty, it's twenty eight nothing. There are no comes back. Comes back, and it could have been fifty two to ten at that point. But what really bothered me is now you go in the locker room, got all the momentum. Kansas City has to be wondering what in the hell's going on. First play of the second half after you've had a chance to you know get regroup. 39 yards of Tyreek Hill. He beats Artie Burns. Bingo, bango, bongo. 75 yards in five plays, whatever it was. Right. Now it's 28-21. Yes, they came back, but, I mean, here was a chance to maybe get a three and out, God forbid, and seize control of the game. And if there's the one defensive play of the entire game that should be more galling than any, they score with a minute 59 left. Bad timing there, too. Three seconds earlier, they get the two-minute warning, so that, that didn't help. But they still had enough time. If they, so you know they're running the ball. You know they're running the ball to kill the clock. They get nine yards, gouge you no on doubt. the first play. That tells you all you need to know. Um, I don't know how many Chinese there are. I think two billion or something. They don't know anything about football. Even they knew Kansas City has <laughs> run the ball. <laughs> you know, sitting there. And and you give up nine yards on 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 first down, and even though you got three timeouts left, that now is rendered moot. Doesn't matter at that point. Well, I, I think Monday night's going to be fascinating because they're usually good when they're focused and when they're angry and when they're backed into a corner. And I know, and they I, play I, a good team. This is as close to a must-win situation as I think they end on, on usually on prime time too. So all the things are there for them to put out a good performance. If they don't, I think it's going to be really telling as what the next three months are going to be like. Yeah, you know the you know the mo has been that you know they play teams they're expected to beat and they don't play very well. Uh, they tend to rise to the occasion. Um, again, I I I don't know uh, how much this distraction this week uh, hurts them. Maybe it galvanizes them. 
Um, I still maintain whatever Tomlin told Brown yesterday, whatever he said to them, uh, and whatever the public comments were by the players, I still believe that the greatest impact you can have on a player is from a fellow player because it's still a team game. And yeah, you can have the boss yell at you, but if one of your coworkers comes to you and said, Hey, hey you're not, you're not doing what you should be doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I do. I think if you have any concept of team whatsoever, if you play that card, I think it's more effective. And I think it's got to come from within. Yeah. Uh, who would that be? I mean, who, who do you can cam Hayward Hayward, um, Ben, Ben, ben said he did talk to him. He said he did talk to him. I don't know that Ben is that guy. I don't know that Ben is that kind of guy. Um, uh, one of the things that make uh, makes Brady great is he is that kind of guy. You hear about it all the time. You see him on the sidelines, but we've heard he calls guys out of practice. Yeah. Um, and he's got the chops to do it. And, and you know, I, I've heard, oh, well, you know, Tom Brady gets in fights with coaches on. I mean, we had the famous when Bill O'Brien took the Penn State job. That was the video everybody showed, him and Brady screaming at each other on the sideline. But it ends there. He's not threatening reporters to punch them in the mouth. He's not uh, uh, not showing up showing for practice. Up for, I mean, that, that organization is, is, you know, being up there for the AFC Championship game for a whole week two years ago, Stan, watching how buttoned down everything is there. It's like it's like being at the Naval Academy or something. I, I know guys have said it's not fun to play there, but that, 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 that's apples and oranges. Don't tell me A.B.'s passionate about winning, man, just like Tom Brady is, because there's so many other issues outside of there. If it was just the, the arguing with Feekner, it wouldn't bother me so much. The pouting after the Ben touchdown, the, you know, the, the, the threatening the reporter, and then, and then you know, getting back at Ryan Scarpino the other day, it's like, well, trade me that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just petulance across the board. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question about that. And he claims that he told Tomlin, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not buying that one. Back to A.B. I'm trying to get away from it. Uh, If that was the case, if Tomlin knew that. Then why is there a fine? There wouldn't be a fine. There wouldn't be a fine. And he wouldn't have called him in on a player's day off to talk to him unless Tomlin told A.B., you're not excused. And he didn't show up anyway. I mean, he may have told Tomlin, and Tomlin said, no, you're supposed to be here at this meeting. Um, That's what they claim, that the only scenario I can possibly come up with, that if it's true that Brown told Tomlin that he he had a personal issue, and Tomlin said, no, that's not an excuse, you're expected to be here, and defied that and didn't show up anyway. Stan, if the Steelers were losing the game 10-7 in the fourth quarter, or 30-7, um, and the ball wasn't being thrown his way. Maybe he has a little bit of a beef. When Juju Smith-Schuster and Jesse James are having career days and you're putting up a record number of yard, yard over 450 passing yards, there are days where you just have to say, especially when you're being doubled and triple teamed, he has more targets than any guy in the league right now. It's not like they're not throwing them to the point where it actually hurts him because I think Ben feels like he has to get the ball to him once in a while just to keep him happy. I mean, the two top passing quarterbacks in the league right now are Fitzpatrick and Roethlisberger. And so it's not like they're not having passing success. Okay, he missed you open on one play. Happens. It happens to every, you know, what if there's a play where there's three guys open? Are you you supposed to be the guy that gets it every single time? Well, Mark Madden brought the point about Andy Benoit posted a picture on the touchdown pass to Juju Smith there in the corner of the end zone. A.B. was breaking wide open over the middle. 
<clears throat> and the, the contention was if Ben had thrown the ball to Antonio Brown instead of Juju, touchdown either way, none of this would have happened. Yeah, and uh, that's, no, that's probably true, which shows you, well, that that's conjecture, but is why it is about stats. If you get the touchdown anyway, a real team player wouldn't give a crap. And he's got to understand that because they put up 35 points, two on the safety, and because Juju and Jesse James had big days, he's a part of that. It doesn't appear under his stats column, but he's a big right. reason why. If you're drawing he attention and someone else opens up, absolutely. Skips tweets, apparently the organization thinks AB's playoff sets all the other nonsense. Don't think it hurts their performance on the field. What hurts was six giveaways week one and horrific defense week two. Um, undoubtedly, but I just I wonder what they really think. Uh, what they really think in it? I mean, they they so easily could be two and zero right now. They so easily could be zero and two. You know, and, and Tomlin calls it popcorn. I mean, ad nauseum. Uh, but it is a, it is different things. There was plenty of offense against Kansas City to win. There was terrible defense, and and there was there was. Plenty of offense to beat the Browns. You're, you can't give away a 21-7 fourth-quarter lead with eight minutes to go. I don't care if you're playing the Patriots, let alone the Browns. Well, I don't care if you're Who, playing. Who, if they win tonight, will put the Steelers in last place right. by themselves. <laughs> uh, I, I don't care if you're playing Carnegie Mellon. If you turn it over six times, you're asking for trouble, and then your extremely reliable kicker misses a field goal, that he rain or not, that he could have made. And maybe you know the conversation about the defense probably the same, but there wouldn't be this sense of urgency. I said this guy... Uh, with the A-B situation coming off the loss. And I think part of the issue here was it was eerily similar, reminiscent of the Jacksonville game, down 21 to nothing, back-to-back home games, if you will, that if you lit a match at Point State Park, the whole city would have just incinerated. I- I've never seen that. Of course, they've scored 79 points in back-to-back home games combined, and they lost them both. Yeah, yeah. It's It's nuts. Dave will close it out. Dave tweets, I think this A-B situation is now just another in an ever-increasing line of incidents that hurt the team and the organization. My perception of the Steelers is different for allowing all this drama to constantly continue. Um, Again, the players make public statements. I'm not sure that's all about how they feel. Stan and Guy, love the show. Hope you do. On Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh.